Today, we look at a simple process to come up with realistic goals that you can work toward in your spiritual life. Actually, the process works for the rest of your life, too. <laughs> Welcome to Run With Horses. My name is Norman, and my goal is to help you thrive as a follower of Jesus. There are a lot of moving parts of the journey, but our foundation is built on Jesus, the solid rock, and He is unmoving. Keep your eyes on the prize and keep making steps forward on your spiritual journey. Well, last week, we looked at roadblocks and some resources that you can count on, and hopefully you've taken some time and prayed through and considered what are the roadblocks currently facing you in your spiritual life. We all have them, almost all of the time, and we also have those resources. So I think it's good to recognize they're there, and are we making good use of the resources God has given us to overcome the roadblocks that are in the way, the things that cause us to stumble and fall. Whatever the obstacle in your spiritual life, God already has a plan to use it for your good and His glory. And that's one of the awesome things about the way that God works. The roadblock is something that you want to overcome. It's maybe something you need to struggle with, but it's not something that should depress you or discourage you. One of the awesome things about God's economy and the way that He works these things out is that He does manage to take those things that seem devastating and turn them into really awesome opportunities to grow, to help other people, and to glorify Him. So every roadblock really should be seen as an opportunity. But somehow it doesn't work as well when I say opportunities and resources. So roadblocks and resources. But God is working. So be patient. Continue to pursue Him through to the end. You know, it's every roadblock, it seems like it's eternal when you're in the middle of it. It's not. It's it's very short. It will eventually be overcome or go away, or you end this life and it doesn't follow you into the next one. So you always have that hope, if nothing else. So be patient. Continue to work on it. Take the small steps to follow Jesus where you are and trust Him to do the work in and through you that He wants to accomplish, because He is working. And that's the one thing that we can absolutely be uh, confident in. God is working in us. He is working through us. And He accomplishes what He sets out to do. Now, in that context, and understand that it is in that context, God is doing something first and foremost in your life. So having understood that, or understanding that, you do have to look at your life, and God has given you a great amount of freedom to make decisions and kind of determine how you are going to carry out His work in your life or His plan for your life, His purpose for your life in your context. So you can ask the question, what do I need to accomplish? What does God want me to accomplish? What is my purpose given who I am and where I am and what God has called me to do? There's lots of different ways you can put the question, but the big picture is, looking down the road, who are you becoming? Who is God making you into? What is the ministry that He's drawing you toward? What kind of person is He developing you as? So you have to be able to clearly answer that question, what's God's purpose for me? Now, you also have probably a job, so you also need to know what is your employer's purpose for you? Uh, if you have a family, you have a certain role in your family, whether you're a child or a, uh, a mom or a husband, you have a, a role. 
So what is your family's purpose for you? What, what role do you fulfill in this family? And then we also all have kind of our own goals or desires, things that we would like to accomplish, which we have to evaluate and say, are these in line with God's bigger purpose for us or do they compete against it? If we compete against it, then we have to understand that anything we desire that competes with God's goals really is not going to be good for us. There's a reason why God said put his purpose for us first. So keep that in mind. Having all that in mind, we do need to figure out what am I shooting for? We have to have some kind of goal in mind. Or I, at least I feel that life goes better when you understand life is kind of directional and it's directed toward Jesus. So at its simplest, at its basic component, God's goal for you is that you become more like Jesus. It is when you are perfectly like Jesus that you are perfectly able to reflect his glory and accomplish his purpose in your life. Now, none of us do that perfectly except Jesus. So our goal is to move in that direction. So that gives you some guide rails. You know, we all need those guide rails. If you've ever been on a mountain road, um, often there's a cliff on one side and there's these guardrails on the outside. Well, those guardrails protect you from hurting yourself, from falling off the cliff to your death. Well, I think having that real clear understanding that my goal really is to be like Jesus. That's the first goal, because only as I am like him, can I accomplish anything else in a way that really is going to glorify God. With that as my goal, it sets some guidelines, some guardrails for how I'm going to pursue any other goal that I have. So in each area of life, you have a different amount of control, a different level of control over determining your purpose, over uh, how much freedom you have to, to make your own schedule. You have a difference between work and home. In every context, though, God's purpose trumps all the others. He gives you the way that you are to accomplish your purpose in any given context. You're not to do it in a way that uh, takes you away from Him. Uh, you are to do it in a way that glorifies Him and points people toward Him, and that's true in every context. Today I was reading Luke 14, verses 25 to 33, and it's just Boy, Jesus just put it incredibly strongly. You cannot be my disciple if you don't deny yourself, follow him, put him above your family. It's all these things where it's he's got to be first. That's the point of that passage. You cannot be his disciple without committing to him first, foremost, with all that you have and all that you are. It's a matter of priorities. So when you're asking the question, what do I want to accomplish? You really have to have that as the starting point. And then within that context, now that I'm understanding, I'm pursuing Jesus with my heart, soul, mind, and strength, now in this lifetime, what does God want me to do? <laughs> and that's kind of where these steps I'm going to give you today come into play. How do you figure that out? So not how do you figure it out, how do you accomplish it? So um, figuring out is kind of a different question. 
But once you have an idea of what it is you're accomplishing in this life, then you you begin to work toward it. So I'm going to come back and give you a, an illustration later on, practically, and just use myself as an example. Um, you know, God moved me from where I was to being a missionary. So what I wanted to accomplish in life was a big change from pursuing horticulture and teaching to pursuing, uh, still teaching, but uh, teaching people about Jesus and pursuing Him myself and being a disciple maker. So once you know what you're supposed to accomplish or what you're, you're trying to accomplish, you ask, what's my starting point? That's asking the question, where am I now? Uh, so you may say, as an example, I, you know, I really believe that God wants me to be <clears throat> an engineer. Okay, where are you now? If you're in high school, great, you need to start taking some more math. <laughs> I would not have done well in that. Where are you now? What is your um, starting point? You need to figure that out. Do you need extra training? Do you need extra skills? Uh, does that direct what classes you're going to take in college if you're that uh, still at that point? <clears throat> if you're later in life, you could be at a point where you need to change careers. You say, hey, I'm, you know, I believe God wants me to, and, and maybe it's uh, to be a more involved grandparent. Okay, what's your starting point? How involved are you now? So you have to ask that question, where am I now? And then based on where you are now and the goals that you're going to be attempting, what are you going to need? So honest personal evaluation is often difficult for us. So getting a second opinion, particularly at this point, is going to be really helpful. I, I found things like a DISC profile, which is just, it's kind of a behavioral profile more so than a personality profile. It helps you answer the question, I tend to respond in this way to these kinds of situations. So you learn about yourself and who you are, and then how can I go forward well? Um, so what's your starting point? Really good question always to ask. It's a good question to ask spiritually. Where am I right now in my spiritual life? If I'm developing toward Christ-likeness, what do I need to do to help me to grow based on my context and where I am and the struggles that I'm having right now in life? The third step is to ask the question we're asking last time. So all of the last show was dealing with this topic, so you can go back and listen to it. But what are the potential roadblocks and what resources do I have to address them? This is a great time to consult with other people when you're thinking in the context of moving toward a, a goal. Maybe it's to become an engineer we mentioned earlier. Uh, it would be a good time to stop and talk to an engineer who is doing what you believe that you want to do and say, what are the difficult steps along the way? What are the things I need to be aware of? They're going to take some effort. Uh, what are the, the resources that are available for someone who wants to do what you're doing? Um, so talk to somebody who's doing it. And a lot of times that will give you some heads up about difficulties that might be coming or opportunities that you might want to take advantage of. You're not just looking at your potential, but you're taking some time to learn about the journey. Because everything in life, I, I believe it's helpful to see it as a journey. You don't get somewhere and then you go, I'm done. <laughs> you're not going to reach Christ-likeness. And no matter what you accomplish in life, career-wise, uh, you're never done 
with this life. It, it is much more about the spiritual, and it is a long, it is a journey while you're here. So take some time to learn about the journey as it relates to whatever um, goal that you're pursuing. What have other people's experiences been like? What have been the good points, bad points? Talk to people who are doing what you want to do, and that, that really is a helpful thing to do. Fourth, what are key steps along the way that you can use as markers of progress? I, I think this is really helpful because ultimately, kind of the way I envision it, and you don't have to have this on paper, although I think it is helpful, is to have kind of a roadmap. That's going to be the that's step five is, is build a roadmap. But in step four, you're identifying the key steps that kind of mark where you are. So going back to that idea of becoming an engineer while graduating high school, if you're still in high school, that would be a big one. Graduating college with an engineering degree, that would be another one. Um, an internship. I think most of the people I know that are in engineers did some kind of engineering internship, and that taught them a lot about the, the business and a lot about different companies and the different ways that their engineering worked in that practical setting, um, ultimately getting a job. So there are different steps. So you can use those as markers. What's the next big key, key step that I'm working toward? And kind of side by side with this or parallel with it, how can I be accountable to keep moving along the way? You know, it's easy to get distracted. Uh, it's easy to get distracted by other things in life. Uh, this is true in our spiritual life. We can be distracted by work. So this whole discussion of what God's doing in my life as far as my career can distract you from the more important thing of becoming like Jesus. Um, but you can be distracted by entertainment, which keeps you from accomplishing things in your career that my, God may have for you. So it, it is so easy for us to be distracted. How can I be accountable to someone that, that I can talk to and work with so I can continually be moving forward? And really, it's, it's answering the question, who can I invite into my process? Ultimately, we're not intended to live this life alone. You're intended to live with other people. And having other people in this conversation people that you can invite into that process really is going to help you. You know, my, my family and I have um, watched that show alone. I think it's, there are probably 10 seasons or so of it, and we've, we've never watched any of the newer ones, but we've watched some of the old ones. But it's really interesting because we watched all of the first season of Alone. And very quickly, just shockingly quickly to me, people were, recognizing how hard it is to be alone. It's like, man, I just didn't realize how, how hard it would be not to have other people around or miss their family or just, just relationships. Well, it makes sense when you think about it. We were created to be with people, to be part of a community. So how can you invite other people into the process where you are now? Now, as you figure out these key steps, have other people invited into this process for accountability, one of the things you can ask them to help you do, particularly, say you're back to that engineering example, you have an engineer that you can, can talk to, ask them to help you work on kind of a roadmap. This is a timeline. So you're starting with where you are, you include the key steps, 
add in needed training skills that you're going to get along the way. What is a reasonable time frame? You know, how long can you kind of expect some of these things to take? Uh, this is where you take all the information that you've gathered about yourself and your current situation, and now you're you're building a plan to gain the skills and experiences that you're going to need to accomplish your goals. It's a timeline of key steps moving you closer and closer to the goal. If you do this with someone who's already been there, they will be able to point out, well, this is going to be a key step, or this step is going to be easy, but this one you're going to really need to pay attention to. Uh, once you have that and you have someone who's done it who can say, yeah, that's, that's a reasonable plan, then you can be confident and apply some effort into carrying it out, right? So you have the key steps, build a robot, roadmap is number five. Number six is uh, have someone you trust go over your plan with you. And this is, you, maybe you had an engineer go over the plan and make sure it's reasonable, but uh, you might want to have people who know you. And part of that is, I, I think we have to always consider how do we keep Christ at the center? Have a mature Christian that you respect. Uh, hopefully that's a, you know, maybe a family member, maybe your, your pastor or uh, if you're part of small groups, have your small group kind of pray with you over, this is kind of my plan. To have suggestions to improve it. And by improvement, improve it, I, it may not be that they improve the the practical moving toward being an engineer part of it, but they may point out that, you know, there's going to be a, a temptation here to be uh, busy and allow busyness to, uh, to be more important, to, to triumph over your spiritual life. Uh, it's important to recognize there are places where this is going to be a really hard step right here. It's going to be important that, that you really intentionally keep Jesus involved in your life at this time. So have people that you trust, believers who are, maybe they're not knowledgeable about the details of what it means, means to become an engineer, but they are very knowledgeable about the Christian life and they know where we have common temptations for all of us. We're all going to struggle in some of the same ways. If, if you can find a, a believer who is, has done what you're shooting for, even better because they can see both sides of it. But this is a, a time to stop and say, you know, no matter what I want to accomplish in this life, how I'm viewing my purpose Ultimately, my goal is to be becoming more like Jesus. And I don't want this process, this dream or this purpose that I see in my life to take the place of pursuing Christ. So make sure that you do due diligence and make sure that you're aware of where you might have issues. And then invite people in, accountability partners, invite other people in to help you accomplish what you see God is calling you to do. Now, number seven is do it. <laughs> you've, you've built this roadmap. You've gone all this way to come up with a reasonable plan going forward where you can see how God's purpose for me and my pursuit of Jesus fit together. And you've, you've managed to put the puzzle pieces together. You have to do it at some point in time, ready or not, you, you have to begin some people delay starting uh, for so long, 
on anything. They're not really pursuing Christ. They're not really pursuing their career goals. They're not really pursuing relationship. They're just kind of coasting. And it's it's incredibly easy to do that in our culture today. One of the just big dangers or, or things that I dislike about our culture is that it's so easy for us to stay in our home and not relate to people. You you can get all that you need delivered to your house. <laughs> you can get a job where you're, you're working remote and people love that because they can do their work in their pajamas. <laughs> well, okay, I understand some of the appeal of that. <clears throat> but if we understand what God's purpose is for the church, I see that's not really going to be a good thing. We, we need to have human relationships. We need to get outside of home. So there's a temptation to just kind of coast and I'll, I'll get to it eventually. Uh, today I'm going to scroll through Facebook or watch YouTube videos. <laughs> but at some point in time, you have to really commit to carrying out your plan. Um, as long as the first steps are clear, really you, you can and should start walking down the pathway um, once the first steps are, are clear. You know, if you're high school, college age, and you know you're going to have to get that degree, you should be working on that, uh, even as you're figuring out next steps. Because, you know, in the future, things will change. You can be moving forward now. It's the same with our, our spiritual life. There are many different things that you're going to need to work on in your life. You know, I, I find that some things are easy, some things that, you know, you you become aware that this is an issue and you go, oh, yeah, I, I can quit that. Other things are hard to get rid of. There are uh, temptations, are sin tendencies, heart issues that are a constant struggle. The ones that are easy, you should take care of. <laughs> the ones that are struggle, then you free up space to continue to work on those more intentionally with a little more effort. So begin working toward Christ-likeness. Begin working toward being the person who can accomplish whatever this career goal might be, our other goal in life might be. Uh, it could be a ministry goal. Um, you can work on becoming the right person, even as you're working on the details of how to move forward in this area. And don't allow yourself to get stuck. It's easy to get stuck um, and just wait for what? Just, I don't know, that doesn't make sense. You can't just wait. You need to continually be looking forward. And sometimes the looking forward is, you know, I need a time of, of intense pursuit of God. Well, okay, that's, that's moving forward. <laughs> that's moving forward in the right way. Okay, the last one, step eight. Along the path, occasionally, and usually at those key points is a good time to take a break and evaluate. So you recalibrate and rework the plan as necessary. Say, where am I? How am I doing? What mistakes have I made? Have I managed to fix those mistakes or take a step back and take another run at it? I'm going to keep moving forward. But to keep moving forward, you do have to evaluate. You have to de debrief and say, how am I doing? How can I do better? One thing that I want to point out here that's to me is really important for us to understand is 
there are going to be changes that need to happen along the way. Assume that you will need to make changes. Start the process knowing that this is not exactly what it's going to look like. It's not a problem that it's going to need changes. That's part of the process of refining the vision. God directs us as we're following Him. You get started and you don't know even some of the questions that you should be asking. But as you learn which questions you need to be asking and you ask them and you get answers, okay, well, then you apply that to this plan that you have, your understanding of your life going forward, and you make changes. That's a good thing. If you learned had gained new information, and you did not apply it and did not change anything, okay, that would be a problem. (laughs) Because ultimately, you're probably not going to accomplish what you're intending to because you're not willing to make any changes. So you need to make changes as you see how God's working in your life, how God's working around you. Uh, You will grow spiritually, um, and you will be ready for greater challenges as you continually modify your plan and see how God is is working out the details. This is all part of the journey, and it is, it's a journey. It's not a a short journey. We're talking about ultimately your life. And this process, you know, I've given, put it in the context of something like a career goal. It could be the same for ministry or even just something personal that you're working on in your life. Um, You see an area that you need to change. Well, you can go back and do this at a smaller level. Um, it's really the way I the way I envision it, the way I think about things. It's really being intentional about the way that you live. So, what kind of person do I want to be? What kind of person does God want me to be? What does He want me to to do in my life? You could take this whole thing and apply it to a hobby. <laughs> And say, okay, I need to understand my big purpose of God's plan for my life, what God intends for me to accomplish. But here's a hobby that uh, I think I could enjoy and I think would give me connections with the community and, and help me to build relationships. I think it's worth pursuing. So what is it that I want to accomplish in this hobby? Okay, maybe you want to learn to fly remote control airplanes. I learned to do that in Japan. So that was my goal. What's my starting point? I know absolutely nothing about remote control airplanes. So roadblocks, well, I don't have an airplane. I don't know how to do it. I I don't know where I have a lot of information that I need. What are the resources? Well, there's a hobby shop down the road. I bet they have a lot of these answers. So went to the hobby shop and met a guy who worked there and asked him to introduce me to somebody who knew how to fly. So key steps along the way. Well, you need to get a plane. You need to get a controller cord so this guy can teach you. You need to show up when he's there and he needs to teach you. And, you know, he gave me some steps. So kind of had an outline of how I'm going to learn to fly this remote control plane and join the club and got the insurance. So uh, that was required in Japan. So all those things. And then uh, the guy that was going to teach me uh, he'd show up and he approved my plane and uh, had the the trainer cable and everything. And then it, you just show up and, okay, I'm ready. Let's get started. And he had had me fly on a computer uh, trainer for a little bit first. And then we just started doing it. He, he took off and when I got up in the air, he let me fly it and he told me what to do. And along the different, along the way, you know, I learned to fly. And then the last step was, Evaluate, well, I'd evaluate where I am, and am I still 
doing what I want to do, is it accomplishing its purposes and all those kind of things. But it's the same process, even for something simple like that. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then I'm going to come back and walk through what it takes to be a missionary as a practical example. Be right back. All right, we're back, and I'm going to give you a kind of an example of how this worked out in my life as I made the change going from a PhD in horticulture to um, graduate school or seminary and to be a missionary. So these same eight steps. What do I want to accomplish? What's my starting point? What are the roadblocks? Key steps, roadmap, someone to go to the plan with you, do it, take a break and evaluate. All eight of those. So first, as I was in graduate school, I was at Iowa State pursuing a PhD in ornamental horticulture. And I was a part of a church, and they had a really good um, international student ministry. Now, in this ministry, I was I would play guitar and help with some of the uh, teaching, maybe an English class for outreach and things like that. I'll lead a Bible study every once in a while. It's kind of learning what it means to be doing ministry. You know, I hadn't been really involved up to that time in a lot of ministry, and that that was a problem. Part of that is um, my distraction with school and other things like that. But as I was in that context, I'm saying, hey, there's a there's some real joy and, and opportunities here to glorify God, and I, I would grow through that. And then heard a testimony of a man who really challenged all of us to to answer the question, why are you here? And why are you here in this place right now? Why are you a part of this church? If God's Word's really true, and there are people all over the world who need to hear this message, why are you here? And I really struggled to answer that, so I took some time off from school and um, determined to go to seminary for a semester and kind of think through some things, and God really quickly just changed my direction. So I really then was convinced that God is directing me to be a missionary. I didn't know what that meant, (laughs) where that uh, meant I would be, what I would do, and I talked to, at the time, my... um, girlfriend who we eventually got married and we were in agreement that this is the right thing to do but we're also in agreement don't know exactly how this works out i did quit my phd program and transfer to seminary and begin doing that so that kind of worked into the second step so i understood what god was calling me to accomplish but what training do i have now what do i need what are all those things you know i I ask you to think through that. Well, for me, that meant, uh, okay, I've been studying horticulture. (laughs) Well, there were definitely some useful things in there that I learned and that were helpful along the way. But as I was thinking about next steps and what this is going to take, as a first step, I recommend consulting your pastor for something like this. So that's what I did. I talked to uh, my pastor, to other missionaries. I know one of the things he said is talk to some people who are missionaries or who are on mission boards. And we had talked to some missionaries 
Uh, my wife had been on a missions trip years before, so she had some contacts. And it's really neat how God works in situations like this because we had just maybe a week or two before determined that I think this is God's direction for us. And it was a Wednesday night, and this man was sitting like a row behind us on a Wednesday night service and turned around after the service, said hello, and find out he's actually uh, with a mission board. It's like, awesome. We are kind of have questions. Stuff. So he ended up um, meeting us for lunch the next day and ask, and answering just a ton of questions. So we were able to talk to him and find out a lot about what the mission board would require, also what they do, because that wasn't part of my background. So we're learning kind of what I need. What, where am I now? What experiences, what training do I need to gain before doing this? And getting answers from our pastor, from the mission board, from other missionaries, from other people who had been there before us. And then we're kind of putting all this together and figuring out what, what that looks like. The next step is what are potential roadblocks? Well, <clears throat> you know, I was working through um, graduate school. I didn't have any debt. So it was pretty easy then to go to seminary, but had to find a job and pay for it and all those kind of things. My soon-to-be wife actually had debt from college, so the debt was one of the things that was going to hinder us going to the mission field. So to figure out, okay, what do we need to do to pay off this debt as we're doing the training and getting ready for um, going to the mission field? So we had to kind of put a plan into place to pay off her debt, which became our debt, get that paid off before we went to the mission field. So one of the things that I did was just commit to working a certain number of hours a week throughout not just seminary, but when we signed up with a mission board later uh, to continue to work close to full-time, about 30-something hours a week, almost until the time we left for Japan. So for about four years, out of four and a half years of pre-field, um, I worked about 30 hours a week. So, And I worked all kinds of jobs. They weren't all awesome jobs. Some of them were, were great. I, you know, I worked in the, the library at Bible College at the seminary. I loved that. So the first place we moved after seminary, I went to the local town and said, hey, I'm just wondering if there happened to be any job openings. And they happened to have one. It was perfect. It was exactly what I had done before. So that was really cool. Enjoyed that. Got to meet a lot of people. It was a great job for... Uh, where we were at the time. But the next place, nothing like that. So I ended up working nights for a while, uh, just stocking like out of Kohl's. Did not enjoy that. Uh, ended up working at Michael's uh, craft store. I enjoyed that. Still a lot of stocking and, you know, you get to meet different people. All of these were things where I'm able to meet people and be involved in the community because of that. So it was busy because you're working and trying to cram all your work into the middle of the week so that every weekend we could travel and go to different churches. So I'm, we're trying to figure out what are the roadblocks? What are the things we're going to have to do? What are the obligations we have? How do we make steps forward? What are the resources that we have? So the ability to work and all of that. Uh, one of the resources that 
ended up being helpful to us was a couple of places that we lived for a while where a church had a mission house that we could stay in for a reduced cost. That helped us save a little money so that we could pay off our loans. So that's one of the the resources that we applied to that roadblock. So get down to step four. What are key steps along the way? Well, we had got a pretty good idea of what it was going to take based on our conversations with pastor and people in the mission board and mission board and uh, missionaries. So finishing seminary, that was a clear one. Uh, actually selecting a mission board, which was harder than we thought in some ways and it ended up being easier in some ways. Um, any mission board people who are listening, we wrote letters to, I forgot how many mission boards, about five only three of them got back in touch with us. So two of them were off the board right away. <laughs> so it was easy not to select them. Um, of the other three, the ability for them to answer questions and be in good communication. And you know, if, if they didn't get back to us or you know, just didn't answer questions well, I mean, that wasn't a good sign from our part. So we ended up um, selecting a mission board. And then once you have a, heading for being a missionary, once you have a mission board, <clears throat> each mission board kind of has a lot of that pathway for you. They can give you those key steps. They're going to have things like a candidate class. Um, some of them are going to have extra training that they want you to take. Once you're in the country, depending on where you're going and what you're going to be doing, language school is already kind of clear as far as what you do and how long that takes and all those kind of things. Some of them will have something very specific after language school, like uh, an internship or apprenticeship or working with someone else for part of a term before you ever get to the point where you're really looking at where you're, you're going to be working uh, in that country. So a lot of those key steps, once once you have a mission board in place, you have someone working with you and help you to, to identify those, which gets you down to that roadmap. So the roadmap um, for us was pretty clear, and it was really one of the neat things that our pastor did. And any pastors listening, I, I, if you have somebody looking at being a missionary, um, this was super helpful for us. Our pastor went through... And took a piece of, and for years I had the piece of paper that he wrote on. It was a yellow legal pad. He walked us through and wrote down these different steps. Here are things that you need to do. Here are ways that I would like you to do certain things. Um, it was very detailed, and it gave a really good picture of what this is going to look like, particularly the pre-field. Now he didn't really go beyond that. He said, you know, really, you're on the field. Other missionaries, the mission board will have good answers for that. But he really covered that pre-filled part well. And he talked about, here's what the church is going to do. So they had someone that they were going to have help me do a display. Uh, they helped us do, well, this is back in the old days. <laughs> we had two slide projectors and a dissolve unit that ran off a cassette tape. So it was these three big honking pieces of equipment that went in this massive suitcase. I mean, it weighed like 50 pounds, all that together. And it was all these cables to connect everything. And, oh, it was a mess. But they helped us put all that together. 
had someone help do the display and get that all finished. And um, he walked me through, here's how you approach pastors. And so this was super helpful. He, he recommended a process where first you call and just say, hey, this is who I am. This is the church I'm from. Um, most of the first list of people that I called were people he said, tell them that I said to call them. <laughs> so I'm saying, hey, my pastor said uh, to call you and let you know we're from his church. And this is what we're doing and wondering if, would you mind if I sent you some information? And that's what our pastor recommended. So uh, he recommended we make this packet and included, and he, he gave us the information that he wanted included in that packet. He said it needs to include a letter from me. He said, I'll write that for you. It needs to include a letter from the mission board. We can get somebody to write that for you. Uh, a missionary on the field, kind of talking about what the, uh, the needs are and what they're doing. A financial breakdown. So this is what the, the needs are, what it takes to get there. It needs to have your testimony and your wife's testimony in there. Uh, so he had all this information that you put together in a packet. So you called them, then you sent them the packet. And then after a couple of weeks, you call them again. So he gave us this step-by-step process of how to go through prefield, how to find um, numbers of pastors to, uh, to call, what he could do. And that eventually we, we reached the end of his contacts, and that definitely slowed things down a little bit. But he did a great job of helping us get ready and get started. So um, developing that roadmap for something like a missionary, it's kind of a set roadmap. A lot of people understand how that works. So for us, the, the general roadmap was pretty clear. First, finish seminary. Um, maybe for some people, it might be take a missions trip before graduation. Second, um, For a lot of people, might want to intern with the church plant while they're paying off any debts. Or uh, for me, I did a little bit of something like that, not with a church plant. We ended up um, working with a couple of different churches as we moved, but we kept having to move in our support raising. So it was, um, we didn't get a long term with anybody, but we're working to pay off those debts. Third, um, select a mission board, and this might need to be done earlier, but you're still in seminary, just graduating, maybe during an internship, time to select a mission board, go through their process, candidate class and all that, and they'll have a very clear process for how to join and, and what that looks like. And then once you're done, the fourth step is going to be raising support. Um, for many people, taking a short-term one- to two-year trip to the prospective com- country is going to be valuable. Uh, we didn't really see the need to do that. My wife had been to the country, so I was comfortable that she was okay with it. I had been out of the States in in a third world country. We're not going to a third world country. So I was um, assuming it's going to be better than that as far as living conditions. And I knew the language would be difficult and all those kind of things. But I didn't, I didn't have any kind of conviction that I needed to go. I was ready to go. <laughs> so I can begin learning language and culture. We were advised not to begin learning the language, but to do a lot of reading on culture. So we did that, reading on Japanese culture, also uh, religion, Buddhism, Shintoism, and talking to missionaries and other people as we have time to consider how we will fit into this new ministry that's going on now. Um, Fifth, raise support to go full-time. Once you come back from a short-term trip, full-time, you have pictures, might, might recognize that you need additional training, 
who knows? But you see here a few things that are kind of make up key points along the way toward being a, a missionary. Um, I didn't follow exactly that. My plan up being a little bit different, but that one's pretty generic. I think a lot of people follow something like that, but they do have a plan. Sixth, have your pastor and a missionary in the country, as well as a mission board rep, look over your plan. And part of this is ongoing. You know, you, you kind of need some ongoing accountability. Realistically, a lot of people struggle with the whole pre-filled part. That is a huge potential roadblock. Uh, the process of reaching out to pastors and churches you don't know is difficult for many, 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 many people. It's a, a huge potential hiccup. So ask your pastor, other people to look over your plan. Is it realistic? What are the potential problems? Ask for advice and prayer along the way. Seven, I would say pray and confirm your calling. And then yeah, at some point in time, you've got to start. You just have to do it and recognize if God's called me to do this, uh, he will equip me to do it. And then you begin. And day after day, you just do the things that move you forward. And it's not always easy. So a, a big part of pre-field, particularly back in the day that I was doing it, was calling. And I hated calling with a passion. Particularly, you know, I don't like calling anybody really on the phone. It's not my favorite. But calling strange pastors, and some of them are very strange. <laughs> no offense, pastors. Um, calling pastors on the phone. And, you know, they get lots of phone calls like this, so they're not terribly excited about it either. But having to call them and tell them who I am and keep repeating the same thing over and over and answer the same questions, it just wasn't terribly exciting. But what I end up doing, and I think this applies in a lot of different areas of life, I gave myself some daily goals and gave myself freedom to, to stop once I accomplished them or to continue if I felt like it. So for me, I had two days a week, sometimes a third day I could squeeze in because of my work schedule when a pastor might be in his office. So my goal was to talk to five people. And I didn't mean it had to be just pastors because sometimes churches had a secretary. And if I'm calling for the first time and I want to send in the packet, the secretary uh, would say, well, I'll let pastor know that you called. You can send the packet and I'll, I'll get it to him. And I would say, well, can you also let him know I'll call back in about two weeks and just see if he has any questions? Absolutely. So she can get that message to him. It's less than ideal, but I talked to a real person, so I counted it. <laughs> so if I could talk to five actual people, not answering machines, then I gave myself permission to quit. And what I found is if I talked to five people two days a week, I typically would stay scheduled um, out about six to nine months. And I needed to do that, to be in churches every every week. Um, there were some times when I needed to, to squeeze in a little bit of time on a third day because there were some people who the days that I had free obviously were not working for them as far as they were not in their office. Um, I couldn't get a hold of them, so I would try to do it on a different day. I had a handful of people that I knew I wanted to contact because we had some connection with them who seemed to never have office hours. And I ended up calling two or three churches 
like five minutes before the Wednesday night service <laughs> because I figure they've got to be there. Somebody's got to get them to the phone. And, and really, at that time, I said, I just want to know when I can talk to you. Just tell me when I can call you. And uh, I ended up doing that. But to do that, I mean, you just have to figure out what helps you to do the things that you need to do when they're hard. And a big part of this process and why it's even necessary is because a lot of things in life that are worth doing are difficult. They're not natural. Uh, a lot of things that will help you pursue Christ are not easy. They're not the natural things to do. You know, it's it can be difficult to develop that habit of reading your Bible consistently, of, of good prayer, of developing the habit of being able to be with the church family. I mean, it's a choice you make. Uh, you have a lot of control over your schedule. A lot of people don't go to a lot of things the church does because they allow other things to get in the way. Well, it can be difficult. What does it take for you to do what's, what's right, what you need to do? Well, confirm that you're on the right track, and then you need to put guardrails in place to help you to do it. All right, the last step is evaluate at each step along the way. So for me, going back to moving toward being a missionary, that means in seminary, you're constantly, you're learning more and talking to a lot of uh, pastors, church planners. So as I'm still kind of new to this whole idea of moving into ministry, I'm getting new information about what ministry is, and it's broader maybe than I had imagined. So do I need to modify my original plan? Is God calling me really to be a missionary or maybe just to be a pastor? And so I kind of continually evaluate, kind of debrief how I'm doing, and say, am I still pursuing what I understand God is doing in my life? Well, graduate seminary and start pre-filled. It's the same thing. You're evaluating. For me, not so much, is this the right path? I was pretty confirmed by then, but am I doing it the right way? Am I evaluating my time usage? So I'm working, I'm trying to call pastors, do these packets, uh, new, newly married, so have time with my wife, and then we're traveling on weekends. So it's a very busy time, but trying to look at who I am, who am I coming, saying, am, am I doing this the best way? Is there a better way to do what I'm trying to accomplish? And I know over time, the mission boards are recommending different things for missionaries going to the field than what I did. Is that better or worse? Well, I don't know. I'm not really involved in that step anymore, but I know there are some differences. Um, and I, mission boards do the same thing. They're evaluating, is this the best way to accomplish our purpose? The missionaries going out, the church is sending missionaries out or asking the same thing. Is this the best way to accomplish our purpose? So to evaluate where we're at, what we're doing, do we, do we need to do something differently? And then we eventually got to Japan, start language school. Still, that process of evaluation continues. I mean, to me, this step, you never leave. If you're, your ultimate goal is to become like Christ, you're always going to be evaluating everything in life in light of that. And every other goal is subservient to it. So I'm always going to be evaluating, am I doing what I'm doing in the best way, in a way that honors Christ? So get to language school. We ended up changing language schools in the middle, partly because of this. We're evaluating and saying, yeah, this is not really working for, for us. And actually, it, it worked okay for my wife. 
it wasn't working so well for me. And then you have to remember, I came from a, a very different context than probably most people coming into language school. You know, I was working in research. I knew how I learned and the school kind of had, this is how we do it. It's like, yeah, but can you modify this? This would help me. Like, no. Uh, so we ended up changing and I, I think it was the right choice and we did better um, because of that. Get past language school, past the first couple of years we worked with a, another pastor, um, a Japanese pastor in Japan, get into the ministry. Still constantly this process of evaluating, are we doing what God intends for us to do? Is uh, the way that we're carrying out ministry, is it in line with God's Word? Is it consistent with what God says about how He's building His church? So the way that I really got into um, being a disciple maker was going back to Scripture and saying, what does it look like to be um, a follower of Jesus in the world? As you look at the church, church in Acts and you look at Paul's letters and you see how the church um, lived and moved and interacted with each other. Uh, I just trying to be consistent with what God's Word says. And that means evaluating the culture and evaluating the way that your average church does things now, but going back to Scripture and saying, how do we do it uh, in a way that really moves us towards Christ? How do we continually evaluate and not allow the culture to dictate, but allow God to dictate what we're doing? And ultimately, that, that's the goal in this whole process, whether it's for a church or for an individual, whether you're shooting toward ministry or a career change. Allow God to dictate who you are and how you do what you do, what your priorities are. Um, you know, I don't think any of us are going to stand before God and how well you did at your career is not going to be the issue. I, I think he's much more concerned about your character and who you are. And I think that's true for, for you, whether you're a pastor or whether you're an engineer or whether you're, you know, a teacher. God's concerned that you are pursuing Christ, that your character is being molded into the character of Christ, that you are living out the fruit of the Spirit that your life is fruitful, is spiritually fruitful, is eternally fruitful, that you are obedient to uh, the commands of Jesus, that you are seeking to be a disciple maker, to help other people to pursue Him and follow Him well, um, that you live out the one another's in the context of your church family. I mean, I think that's really the heartbeat of the New Testament. That's what we should be pursuing. So this whole discussion today, you know, I did couch in the terms of, of career, of ministry, but ultimately it, it's not complicated what God expects from us. He wants us to be moving in the direction of Jesus and let that be what determines how we do everything else and the priorities in every context, in your workplace, in your home, in your community. Let the mind of Christ guide you. Let His character be your character and let that be how you move in the world. Uh, serve other people. Help them see the love of God in you and through you. 
ultimately, I, your work, I hate to say it, doesn't matter that much. <laughs> but who you are matters a great deal. Thanks for joining me. Keep pursuing Jesus, and we'll see you next time. Have a good one.